Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 144, where in a moment we discuss asset protection and estate planning with another guest expert, this time Ross Anderson of Jones White Solicitors. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows, because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff mortgages investing wills and powers of attorney and heaps more you name it we've done it pretty much and last time we featured women in the financial services with our special guest laura stephen from phil's own firm loads of good advice in that one not just for women but with a a definite female slant about the financial services if you're thinking about trying to get into it as well as financial advice for women in general terms and how it can be so significantly different compared to men Uh, Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. Joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Okay, let's uh, bring our guest in straight away. Ross Anderson of Jones White Solicitors, based in Glasgow, here to help us discuss asset protection and estate planning. Uh, and we'll delve further into that in just a sec. But first, Ross, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your own background and career today, uh, as well as uh, a little bit about the company you work for now, Jones White Solicitors. Of course. First of all, thank you very much for having me today. My my first step into the podcast world, so tell me if I'm doing anything not right. As <laughs> if thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my name is Ross Anderson. I'm a partner at Jones White. I have around about 10 years experience dealing with uh, asset protection and estate planning, starting with wills, powers of attorney, etc., Currently with Jones White, I am a Scottish and English and Welsh solicitor, so able to advise north and south of the border. So despite the fact that I'm sitting from my office in Glasgow, we do we do a lot of cross-border work for our clients. At Jones White in particular, we're a, we're a multi-service law firm. So my area of specialism is, is estate planning, but we do uh, litigation, conveyancing, immigration work, a lot of family work, dispute resolution uh, and bereavement and probate work, bereaved families also. So if you need some legal advice, we're usually able to help or put you in touch with somebody who can. Yeah, the areas that Jones White cover in specifics of this particular show when we're talking uh, asset protection and estate planning. Take us through a few of the services and offer there then. So we, we everything starts with a will, first and foremost. So anyone who's looking to plan for later life should begin by putting a will in place. And I think you've had a, a podcast on that previously. But that allows me to gain uh, enough information to be able to give advice on putting some plans in place. And that, that will include looking at potentially tax mitigation, looking at protecting assets uh, in the event that there's someone you don't want to inherit, inheritance tax planning, um, powers of attorney, and really just putting plans in place for later life so that when the time comes that we're no longer here, we have everything tied up with a nice red ribbon as far as possible. For, for the, the wills and powers of attorney, Ross, is that something you do a lot of? And would, would you be kind of recommending that to pretty much everyone, would you say? Absolutely. Everything starts with a will. The majority of clients that we see who are looking to get their affairs in order 
and do some estate planning, it's a will. That's where it all starts. And that, that's where we get enough information to be able to give advice. Unfortunately, though, the vast majority of the UK population don't have a will in place. About 60 to 70% of, of our fellow citizens don't have a will. And ultimately, that means that they pass away under the rules of intestacy, which means that the people who inherit are not always the people that you would want to inherit. And power of attorney is even, even less well known. It is certainly something that people are becoming more and more aware of and doing more of. But the vast majority of clients that we see either haven't heard of it or don't put it in place. It's really important that you do have these things in place well at the very basic level because you want to make sure that your estate goes where you want it to go when the time comes that you're no longer here. But I often say to clients that power of attorney is even more important because it's when you're here, you're still affected by the things that are happening and you don't always have the ability to make decisions or or take action to help you in those circumstances. So really important that you have both. And what we look here at this firm is what impact that will and power of attorney then has on the people that you're that you're leaving those powers to the executors and beneficiaries of your estate and how can we make things easier for them when you're doing the wills as well ross is, is there ways that you can set up to try and help protect the states there as well absolutely i mean obviously the, the title of the podcast today is asset protection and estate planning and asset protection means different things to different people we we see a lot of clients who are non-traditional family circumstances so it's not sort of husband wife 2.4 children it's second marriages it's stepchildren it's children from previous relationships Uh, people are concerned about care people don't want their children to inherit Uh, people are concerned about their children's circumstances they might be on benefits uh, have tax problems financial liabilities so asset protection means different things to different people but ultimately it's about making sure that how you leave an inheritance to somebody is done in the most controlled fashion with as much discretion and flexibility to suit those beneficiary circumstances in a way that you would want them to to inherit. I'm going to go a little bit off piece here because I'm still quite blown away by the fact that 60 to 70 people, 60 to 70% of people don't actually have a will. And I'm going to ask you both this one, actually, Phil, I'll, I'll come to you in a, in a moment. Let me just ask Ross, first of all, why do you, why do you think that is? Is it because they, they, they feel that they don't have anything worthwhile to leave? Um, I think it's because people don't want to think about their own mortality. So they think if I if I write a will, I'm obviously going to die the next day. That's that's where people's <laughs> mind goes, which is obviously not the case. Um, so th- there's that, and it's just one of those things that you put off that you think mm-hmm. I'll get to that, I'll do it when the time comes or when I need it. Power of attorney is a big one. People say I'll do that when I need it, but mm-hmm. actually when you need it. It's too late. Too late. You've yeah. already gone past the line. So, for, yeah, for most people, it's they don't want to face their own mortality, and also it's just something that they think I'll get to that when I'm when I'm older. Uh, and actually, it's something that everybody should have. You might not have anything now that you want to leave, but you don't know what that's going to look like in a couple of years' time. So, you should always have your affairs in order by having a will at the very least. And Phil, from what I remember, we've done a few shows on wills, not in a while now, but we have done a few shows on yeah. wills. There, it's a relatively inexpensive, fairly straightforward process to get a will drawn up, isn't it? I, I guess it depends how complex the will is. I mean, for, for a basic will, it, it can be sort of not easy, but inexpensive for, for just a basic will. I mean, I, I'm doing my will at the moment. My circumstances are slightly different. I've got inheritance tax planning concerns. I've got a disabled son. I, I hate using the word disabled, but they one of the things we're looking at setting up for him is a disabled trust. So things like that's going to cost a lot more than just a, a basic will. But we, we did do a show, um, Nay Will, Nay Wise, it was called. That was one of the early podcasts that we did 
Oh, Cricky, it must have been in the the teens. I could say it was about number 12, I think. It was a long time ago. If I was guessing, I'd say around about then as well. One thing I would say about wills, it's important to keep it updated. It's important, one, to have a will, important for people to know what it is, but it's so important to keep it up to date because circumstances change all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is where I'm going to come back to you, Ross. It might be worthwhile spending a bit of time on just grabbing why there's this need for asset protection in estate planning by covering off some of the things that can go uh, and do go wrong in the absence of anything being done to prevent it from happening. So perhaps you can sort of take me through some of the ways it's possible for the wrong people, unintended recipients to inherit your money. And is it something that happens a lot? Yeah, <laughs> although I do live and breathe, I do live and breathe this, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on what way you look at it. So we see all sorts of horror stories, and that's why that's why we do what we do. Um, I think the simplest way to think about it is is writing a will is sort of an expression of what you would like to happen. It's an expression of wish. Ultimately, there's so many things that happen in life that can vary what happens or how the will is implemented. Um, first of all, if you don't have the will then effectively your estate is wound up under the rules of intestacy. Um, slight variations, whether you're in Scotland, England or Wales, but ultimately the law dictates who then inherits your estate and in what proportions. For a lot of families these days, that's not what you would want to happen. Um, we build our own families around us a lot now, and the tra- traditional lines set down in statute are not what people would ultimately want to happen. So the first and foremost reason for having the will is to make sure that at the very least you've given an insight into who you want to inherit and how you want them to inherit. But there are then all sorts of things that can come in the way of that. For example, second marriages. Um, we see we see a lot of cases whereby, for example, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Mr. passes, leaves everything to Mrs. Mrs. then uh, meets a new partner, remarries. And rather than leaving the estate to the children from the first marriage, which her first husband would have wanted, suddenly the estate is passing to new husband and out of the original family. We see that regularly with our clients and what they're trying to avoid. We also see it at the other side when when Mrs. comes back to us to write her new will. We've got situations with stepchildren. A lot of people raise stepchildren as their own children. If that's not specifically detailed within the will, then they won't automatically be included. We're seeing more and more people actively trying to disinherit certain members of their family and those certain members of the family might have a claim regardless of what the will says again the rules are slightly different north and south of the border but in scotland we have something called legal rights so even if you disinherit your children uh, they are entitled to make a claim on a share of your estate and in england and wales the rules are slightly different but ultimately if someone's able to demonstrate that you should have made provision for them then a court can award in their favor Regardless of what your will says, we see all sorts of family circumstances with daughters-in-law, sons-in-law, etc. that we're not particularly fond of. We maybe don't want them getting our inheritance and children on means-tested benefits or the opposite, being particularly wealthy. So uh, having a will is very much the first step in your estate planning journey. That says what you would like to happen. Estate planning is about making sure that all the things that could stop that from happening are dealt with and attended to. Absolutely. A bit like succession, this, isn't it? As well as the uh, as the wrong people, I suppose there's also the wrong time for someone to inherit uh, as well. You, you mentioned it there, and I, and I was thinking specifically of children, but I suppose there might be other examples of someone inheriting at the wrong time. Take me through some of those possibilities, if you could. Absolutely. I mean, children, first of all, I mean, Phil, Phil mentioned it earlier, so 
children with disabilities inheriting a large lump sum is not always the best idea because it needs to be managed. It can have an effect on their means-tested benefits. If you have spouses, so elderly spouses, one passes away, the survivor then requires residential care. The first person to pass could have put some planning in place to make sure that their estate could be used for the benefit of their spouse without necessarily being used in a way that they wouldn't necessarily have wanted. I was seeing clients just this morning, just before this, and they they were of the situation where their family, their beneficiary, was in the cusp of setting up their own business. And ultimately, they were leaving quite a sizable estate. And, and one of the things we spoke about is you both die, the sizable estate passes to your beneficiary, that business then fails and there are liabilities attached to it. And suddenly your inheritance is being used to cover some of that. Whereas with some appropriate trust planning, we can we can avoid that sort of thing. It really depends on everyone's individual circumstances, but there are there are plenty of reasons for people to want to have some sort of flexibility and control after their death in terms of their inheritance, and that's certainly something that we can help them with. One of the things that I think you do, Ross, you, you've got, it's called the, the family trust. I know that that's an area that you do a lot of, but can you tell us a wee bit more about that and some of the, the benefits of looking to set up this family trust? Yeah, absolutely. So so trusts in particular have been around for as long as mankind, to be honest with you. So this is simply a kind of modern iteration. If I, if I give you something to hold for me and I say, can you hold this? But I'd quite like to get it back at some point in the future. You're effectively holding it on trust for me. The Jones White Trust that, that we have in place, and there are all different variations of that, but ultimately it's a tool which people use to plan more efficiently for later life. I touched on briefly probate and the probate is the term that for basically the post-death administration that's the term in England and Wales and Scotland we call it confirmation but that's a process that one has to go through to deal with an estate after someone has passed away if you if you place your assets within trust during your lifetime then ultimately they those assets in that trust can pass to your beneficiaries or, or be used for the benefit of your beneficiaries without having to go through that long drawn out process Ultimately, if you do have children with disabilities or you are in a second marriage situation or your children or beneficiaries are particularly wealthy, then leaving assets in trust for their benefit means that they can inherit in a way that's controlled, that's flexible, and that those those assets within that trust are protected, ultimately. A lot of people come looking for advice in respect of care ultimately. And and there's a lot of publicity around people using trust planning to help people avoid paying for care. I think it's important to say that the rules are quite complex in that area. If somebody comes along and says, hi there, I'd quite like to have one of those there trusts, please, to avoid paying for my care, then that's not going to work. That's a deliberate deprivation of assets and the legislation strictly prohibits that. With trust planning, however, when plans are put in place at the right time for the right reasons, then further on down the line, it can be an effective tool at helping to ring fence our assets to a certain extent if care does become an issue. We've done previous podcasts as well, Ross, on like inheritance tax and inheritance tax planning, but the likes of the, the family trust, can that be used for, for that side of things as well? 
So the type of trust you're referring to, no, no, simply put, because when clients transfer assets to that sort of trust, they're called a gift with reservation of benefit. So they continue to benefit from, for example, they, they live in the property or they draw an income from investment, etc. So they don't fall out of the estate for inheritance tax purposes. But we do have a bespoke inheritance tax advice service here at the firm. And we do have trust options available for people who do have inheritance tax liabilities. So I think the family trust kind of option is something that's more widely known, but there are various different types of trusts that can be used depending on your circumstances that we can advise on. And if somebody does have a, an inheritance tax liability, we can we can help them deal with that through trust planning or otherwise. We're sort of skipping about some of the, the, the things that we're talking about here, and I'm going back and forward on them slightly, but I was just going to mention that one of the things you were talking about there, I think I've got a live example here because we're living through, in, in my family at the minute, my mother-in-law is now in full-time residential care. She lives with dementia, and we're in the process of selling her house where my wife has power of attorney for both her and her dad, uh, so she's now executor because he died last year, and power of attorney for her mum. Now, as you were saying, my understanding, unless there's an element of planning in place uh, for that kind of circumstance, care costs can often be crippling. And you're talking about a quarter of people going into residential care these days. It is something to take into real consideration, isn't it? So uh, some of the things that you mentioned there that can happen and how you go about helping a family negotiate the best possible outcome. Did you cover that all off, Ross, or is there anything that you missed out in that instance? I think just just to really reinforce that it is a relatively complex area, something that you should take advice on on a case-by-case basis because people who are concerned about planning for the event that care becomes an issue in the future, we have to look at their health at the time. We need to look at the likelihood of care becoming an issue and whether there's some planning we can put in place for a couple we might well put um, certain types of will trusts in place to make sure that if one passes away, then that person's half of the estate is effectively uh, wrapped up and protected for the next generation in order to, to avoid being paid, uh, using to be paying for the spouse's care. I think it's important to note that the only person who is liable to pay for your care is you yourself. So there is nothing wrong with you um, putting plans in place ultimately to avoid your estate being used to pay for someone else's care, whether that be a spouse, a parent or a child, ultimately. Uh, When someone comes to us and they are looking to put plans in place to protect their own assets from their own care, um, then I think just to reinforce that where that's the sole motivation behind putting that type of planning in place is ultimately a deprivation and the local authority are entitled to treat it as such. However, where planning is put in place at the right time for the right reasons, if subsequently care does become an issue, then we have been successful in having those assets disregarded from a financial assessment because of the reason that they were set up in trust and when they were set up in trust. So the most important message for people to take away from today is if that is a concern of yours, then it's important that you take some advice from someone like myself so that we can assess your circumstances in full. And whilst we may not be able to address that, we can take steps to make life easier. Looking at some of the risks to to people's estates, you've got things like we've mentioned, like relative claims. I think we mentioned about children inheriting at the wrong time. You've mentioned a bit there about sort of care costs. I know if someone goes into a care home, create you a few years in there and your your assets can fairly go down. I think in Scotland, if you've got, I think it's over... 29,750, you're obliged to pay the full cost of your, your care. So one of the things we do as financial advisors is we, we can set up 
investment bonds, but they've they've got an element of life insurance attached yep. to it. And um, I know the councils find them, or they, there used to be what was called the CRAG report, charges for residential care guide. And um, I know with that, that type of asset was disregarded when the council was was looking at assets. And you're right saying, so it's similar with the, the family trust as well. Is that right, Ross? So so slightly different in the sense of the because of the the life assurance element to these financial uh, yeah. these investment bonds, the local authority are not permitted to take them into consideration because they're they're not actually payable until the person has passed away. Ultimately, yeah, um, we we have seen some circumstances where there is that type of investment in place, not uh, subject to assessment during the person's lifetime, but after their death, um, when the funds do become payable. If there have been no other funds available during the person in care's lifetime and a debt has accrued, um, then we have seen some local authorities attempt recovery action against the proceeds of those bonds. So that isn't a, a 100% belt yeah. and braces. This will, this will absolutely guarantee that these funds won't be taken to pay for your care. So again, it's important to take some advice on that. With with trust planning in particular, it's, it's important ultimately just to look at when it was set up and why it was set up and make sure that these things are done for the right reasons because people in family circumstances have so many different needs for this type of product. They have um, stepchildren, they have second marriages, they have an, potentially a, an inheritance tax liability that they don't want to pass on to the next generation. We see lots of couples who have an estate of, say, £600,000. They don't have a tax liability themselves, but they're leaving it to one child. And suddenly that one child has the £600,000 from mum and dad and their own house and their own money and their own cars. And what then happens is all that gets lumped together. Child dies years later and suddenly they're they're way above the inheritance tax threshold. Whereas with some trust planning, they can help avoid that. We see clients who are concerned about uh, the cost and the time associated with probate or confirmation, usually because they've had a really horrendous experience themselves dealing with an elderly relative's estate and they think I really want to avoid giving my children and my family that um, that circumstance so we do planning for them as well so I think generally the way to look at sort of trust planning is what are you trying to make easier and for who and why and if yeah. you can look at those things and take some advice on that and we're able to find a solution that suits you then that's your first priority and then the protection of the assets from a care point of view is something that can be reviewed as part of that process. And I know in the past, I've seen some folk that will think, right, I'll, I'll transfer my assets now while I'm living to my family. But then you've got the the risk of this sideways disinheritance. And I'll maybe get you just to explain that bit again in, in a moment, Ross. But And I, I guess some people will do nothing, but I, I guess doing nothing and just burying your head in the sand is not a, a good idea as well. So what, what kind of options would you would you be kind of looking at for people now? Well, if you, uh, first of all, if you do nothing, then then you're not going to be any better off or any worse off. You're just going to be exactly how you are. If I had a pound for every time a client said to me, I'm just going to give my house to my son and my daughter, then I probably wouldn't be doing this anymore. I'd be doing something <laughs> different. But we we kind of really strongly advise against giving your assets away to friends and family members. A, a there's a, just a total loss of control when you do that. You're effectively then relying on the goodwill of those people to let you continue living in the property um, or to make sure that you can have access to the funds that you've given them. Um, there's also negative capital gains tax implications because when you give your property away to someone who doesn't live in it, that then effectively becomes a potentially a second property 
for them. And when it's sold in future, um, capital gains tax could be payable depending on the gain in value. Um, and the, the personal allowances for capital gains tax are, are really being kind of slashed at the moment after the recent budget. So there's likely to be a liability if you do that. But for me, it's more about the loss of control and the fact that your assets are then subject to the liabilities of whomever you give it to. So we always advise planning on a much uh, a much more strict basis and a much more rigid basis in the sense of you maintain an element of control uh, in respect of how your estate is managed. Um, we offer different types of wills for people because the family trust is the, is the one that kind of gets the most attention because of what people understand that it can do in terms of making things easier for your family. But we offer different types of wills whereby you're effectively able to leave your estate in trust for the benefit of your family, which pretty much does everything that we've spoken about so far, apart from avoid that probate confirmation process. But it's a way of keeping control of the estate after after you've passed away. Control in the sense that it can be directed for the benefit of your beneficiaries without them having this huge big kind of pot of money that that is at risk from various different different things. Um, there's a bit of noise about sort of immediate care costs plans so there are certain investment products that you can take whereby an actuary basically works out how long you're you're likely to live <laughs> and effectively whether or not an investment can fund your care uh, ongoing that's, that's not something that we advise on it's not something that we deal with a huge amount i just know sort of from anecdotally that it, it tends to work out quite expensive and not always not always the best value for money in terms of what you're trying to achieve do you do, Ross? I know another option that, that some people will look at is things like a, a protection property trust. Is that something that you do? And could you explain a little bit about that for us as well? So I, I think things like protection property trust or PPTs or family trust, these are effectively just names that, that companies give to these products that are ultimately just wills or certain types of trusts. PPT, a property protection trust, is generally the type of thing where when one of a spouse dies, uh, they are the first person's half of the house uh, is effectively either wrapped up in trust or it's given directly to the children on first death. And the spouse is given the absolute right to live there. And for some families in some circumstances, that that is the most appropriate solution for them uh, based on the value of their property and capital assets that they have available. That's giving them some form of protection at a, at a level that suits them. But it's ultimately a way of trying to protect half the, half the property. My view with that is always, why just protect half the property? Mr. and Mrs. Mr. will have half a house and he'll have money and other things as well. I always think if you can, you should try and ring fence as much of that for the benefit of the spouse. Spouse can use their assets to pay whatever they need to pay, but at least the first spouse can know that they can wrap things up and and be able to help their spouse have a bit of a better life by using that money. And that's where I guess the, the family trust would be probably better for most people, eh? The family trusts are a full discretionary will trust. So yeah. a, a will trust, which is kind of a step up from PPT, which is rather than just dealing with half the house, you deal with the full property. And I think when you do this type of planning with properties and money and, and placing them in trust on the first death, it's not just a case of writing the will. You've got to make sure that your title deeds to your property are held the right way also. Whether you, whether you live in Scotland or England and Wales, there's generally two ways for people who own property uh, to own it. With survivorship, which is a Scottish term, or joint tenants in England and Wales, which means that if one of you dies, the property automatically passes to the other person, regardless of what your will says. And then you've got sort of no survivorship, which is a Scottish term, or tenants in common, as they refer to in England and Wales, which means my bit will go in line with my will when I die. And if you're going to be putting 
trust planning in place and try and ultimately make sure that your estate passes in a way that you want, it's important that you either have it without survivorship or, or as tenants in common. Otherwise, what you're trying to achieve might not work. So just just be wary that if someone's putting this type of will in place for you, that, that all of the necessary work is undertaken to make sure that it's effective. Have uh, family trusts been around for a long time, Ross? I, well, trust themselves, I think you mentioned earlier, trust has been around for as long as mankind, ultimately. Mm. This sort of terminology, family trust, has been around for a couple of decades now. Not always with the best sort of reputation or publicity, to be perfectly honest with you, because there were a lot of non-lawyers advocating this type of service as a as a care cost avoidance tool. And when when you have that, just for that reason, then as I mentioned earlier, that's not going to work. You really need to take formal advice from a solicitor when you're looking to put this type of planning in place to make sure that the reasons for setting up a trust suit your circumstances and that ultimately achieves what you want to achieve. But as far as estate planning using trusts, around for certainly longer than I have been and continues to be a solution for people who have a need beyond just writing a will. One of the things that's kind of obvious going through the, the podcast today, Ross, is that you, you certainly are very knowledgeable on on all of this. And I must admit, I, I wouldn't have any sort of, not concerns, but I, I would be certainly happy to refer our clients on to yourself because your knowledge is, is excellent. And one question I had, like, why why should somebody use Jones White? I mean, you mentioned there that you're a firm of solicitors operating throughout the whole of the UK, which is is great. But it was just to give you an opportunity to kind of mention a bit about Jones White and why people would use yourselves. I think it's just the level of experience. So we have we have lots of solicitors here who who live and breathe this type of planning. Solicitors and, and non-solicitors also, some of our consultants. So the chances are. Any circumstance you present to us, we've seen it and we have a solution. And we're always also able to give you honest advice when we're not. There are some cases where we go, sorry, that's just not one that we can deal with. But the vast majority of cases we are able to offer a solution to. And our experience speaks for itself. Anyone can can draft a trust document and put assets into trust, or almost anyone can do that. Where we really come into our own is when something happens when somebody dies or somebody goes into care or there's a child who's making noises about an inheritance that they're now not receiving. We're experts in dealing with the, the post-care, post-death administration of these trusts and doing so in a way that we get plenty of five-star reviews <laughs> for that service. And that, as I say, that's really where we come into our own. And yeah. I would encourage anyone who is thinking about this type of planning, have a conversation because ultimately the questions that you are thinking about so many people before you have asked the same questions and will be able to answer them. And at the end of that, you might go away with a little bit of knowledge and nothing more, or you might go away with a solution that suits you and your family. If if someone was looking to get in touch with yourself, Ross, what's the, the best way for them to, to do that? So just the simplest thing to do is just drop me an email. So it's ross.anderson at joneswhite.co.uk. We have a really good website, joneswhite.co.uk. If you go on there, there's lots of helpful videos about the services that we offer. So there's videos on wills, powers of attorney, trusts, estate planning. They're done in a way that it's really easy to understand and sets out kind of what we can and, and can't do. But ultimately, just give me a call, 0330 give me a buzz I'll hopefully pick up if not leave me a message and we'll get in touch to get something set up and either myself or one of my colleagues will be able to have a chat with you yeah. I know you're based in Glasgow but we, we've got listeners of the podcast all over the, the UK so you were saying you, you can deal with people in England, Scotland and Wales was that right are, are you quite happy to do that as well? Absolutely, absolutely. we um 
we're primarily based at Glasgow. COVID obviously changed the way a lot of people do things. Even yeah. us having this podcast today, we're in three separate rooms. Three, four years ago, we would have had to be in the same room at the same time to have this conversation. So most of our clients see us by video call just because that's what suits them now. They are able to come to our office. We have offices here in Glasgow and down in Inverclyde, so they're more than welcome to pop in and see us. Further afield, yeah, video call tends to be the way that we do that. But if people are sort of just looking to have a, a telephone call to begin with to get some information, we can certainly do that. And we are able to give advice, as I say, Scotland, England and Wales. And there aren't many solicitors who are able to do this type of planning yeah. and give this type of advice for both jurisdictions, which we are. Yeah. Just kind of summing up on the, the sort of family trust. So I, I guess, like look, looking at it, would I be right in saying that the kind of benefits are that it could save you on probate costs if, if your assets were in the trust, because then you're not paying like the probate costs and that. It, it can help when it comes to sideways disinheritance. So they're not, I like your assets going to, for example, if someone was remarried, going out of the family, you've got, I suppose as well, it makes it not more difficult, but for somebody you didn't want to inherit, it can help in that respect. I guess as well, it can help with children inheriting at the wrong time as well. Would you say, is that the main benefits? And then also mentioned there could be the side benefit that it could help with kind of care costs, but would that be the main sort of benefits, would you say, Ross, just to kind of sum up? Absolutely. I think anyone anyone who is looking to to have a situation where they need some sort of flexibility and control over their estate after death, whether that be because there's likely to be a second marriage in the family or because there are children with difficulties or because we don't want someone to inherit or because we want wealth to be preserved down the family lines. If there is some need to have some control and discretion after death, then trust planning is certainly something to look at, whether it's the family trust or some more complicated will. Trust planning, absolutely have a conversation with us. Ross, thank you so much for being our latest guest. Now comes the part of the show where Phil looks back over the course of his own life, both professionally and personally, to find an example of how today's topic has affected his own situation. You were talking about this earlier, Phil. Uh, We're looking at asset protection and estate planning. What do you have in that? Yeah, as as I mentioned, it's something I'm kind of doing my wills and powers of attorney at the moment. And like for myself, it's slightly not different or complicated, but I've got inheritance tax issues that I need to look at. I've also got a son with Down syndrome. So we're looking at this, it's called a disabled trust that we're setting up, which I I just didn't like the name of that, but that's just what it's called. Is that the sort of things that you can set up for people as well, Ross? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I've always found the term disabled persons trust not really to be reflective of actually that person's circumstances at the time. But yeah, we're absolutely able to do that. We yeah, there's a lot. I could sit here and give you so many, many examples. Sorry, I was actually thinking it's probably a good podcast topic at some point to to do on the likes of that. I know, for having gone through it myself, I have a lot of experience of it, and I know the sort of concerns that parents have, and I'm sure a lot of people in the same circumstances myself would, would find something like that quite useful to do in the future. But so I, I told a, a story on a previous podcast. I remember when my my uncle. Or my, my auntie sort of died and, and they actually changed her will after she had passed away, which at the time I didn't realise you, you could do, but it's such a complex area and that's why it's been great to, to have Ross on today and, and find out about some of the different solutions. And it is asset protection and estate planning. It's such an important area that a lot of people just don't take heed of and, and they really should. 
I think that's a really, I think that's a really important point actually about that that very fact that you mentioned about varying the estate after someone's passed away because we spent an awful lot of time today talking about kind of pre-planning. So before you pass away, ultimately what you can, what you should do to to make things easier for your family. When someone has passed away, it's actually not too late to then start looking at that. We we do a huge number of what we call it's what you're referring to is called a deed of variation. So it's basically changing someone's estate or how it's distributed after they have passed away, obviously with the consent of the people that are intended to inherit in the first place. But you have you have only two years post-death to do that. So if anyone's sort of listening thinking, I really wish my mom or dad or somebody had done this type of thing before they had died, then if you are still within that two-year period following their death, then there's options available to you. Yeah. And I know in their circumstances, what had happened, my my Uncle ended up going into a care home, but what they did was they changed her will, so her half of the house went to the children. So at least it didn't save all of the the property, but at least part of it went to them. And then he did end up in a care home for for a year or two. And I would imagine his I didn't know all the circumstances, but I would imagine his part of the house would have kind of paid for a lot of that. Exactly, that's right. And whatever the kind of first person had left behind can be used to to make life easier, to buy yeah. the things that they need and support them rather yeah. than just being being kind of contributing towards the, the primary cost of care. Okay, we'll get on to some of your questions in just a moment. First, it's time for uh, the quote of the week. Phil's always been a fan and collector of quotes for as long as we've known him. What do you have on a topic for this week? Asset and estate planning, Phil. Asset protection is not a do-it-yourself exercise. Anyone interested in protecting their assets from lawsuits and creditors should consult an asset planning specialist. And that quotes from someone called Ron Mendelssohn. I think it's so important because it it just, speaking to Ross today has been great because it just shows why you should be speaking to an an expert in in that area. Absolutely. Now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details in a moment. Give it to you after these. The first one's from Angela who says, Hi, Phil. It's taken a long time, but I'm finally earning a salary in my 40s. That means I'm comfortably making enough money. I have some disposable income. I want to make sure my pension is better equipped to look after me in my dotage, but wondered whether (laughs) the best way to do this is by trying to pay more into it or take the cash I have and invest it privately to earn more to then add to my pension funds. I hope this makes sense. I guess there's probably some pros and cons, but one of the advantages of paying money into a pension is you get tax relief on the contributions. Now, if you've paid money in and then you've got extra added to it, you're going to get the growth, not on just the money you've paid in, but on the tax relief as well. So that would be a good reason to pay into a pension. What I've seen some people doing is you might have someone that's, say, a basic rate taxpayer now, but they know maybe in a few years they're going to be a higher rate taxpayer. And I have seen some people say, right, I'll keep my money back and pay it in once I get the higher rate tax relief on it. So that that's something that I have seen some people do in the past. I suppose one danger with that is that if they ever do away with a higher rate tax relief on pensions. And I guess another thing for her to take into account is does she need access to the money? Because a disadvantage of paying into a pension is that the money is tied up and not accessible until till you're a bit older. So there's pros and cons. And what I'd probably say in, in that situation is sit down with your financial planner and, and see what is going to work out best for your individual circumstances. 
Okay, uh, next up, here's one from Rory in Inverness. says, hi, Phil. I distinctly remember the Chancellor coming out earlier this year and saying independent experts believe the rate of inflation would be down within <laughs> target level of 2% before the end of this year. Do you still see that happening? Because in my experience, everything's still going up and up. The Bank of England, they've raised interest rates 12 times in a row. So the bank base rate is currently sitting at 4.5% as we record this podcast. In April 2023, the Consumer Prices Index, it showed UK inflation at 8.7%. So it is coming down. One thing that, that is sort of happening, I mean, in America, the, the US inflation rate is down to 405 In the European Union, it's down to 6.1. So we're starting to see other places get more of a hold on inflation. I, I do think that 2% by the end of the year is probably unlikely, but at least we are starting to see it going in the right direction. But one thing that I would say to remember is that lower inflation doesn't mean that prices are going to fall. It just means that they're going to stop rising as quickly. Yeah, I would just say as well, before you get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics now and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Mellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 144 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. Thanks again as well uh, to this episode's guest expert, Ross Anderson of Jones White. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk that's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk send me a question and phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast and please be assured we won't use your real name if that's how you prefer things remember if you found this useful please rate and recommend us and please follow us on apple or whatever you get your podcast that way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it you get all the links you need on phil's social media good luck with your money phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further we'll see you next time and thanks for listening. Thanks, John. And thanks very much for coming on, Ross. I've, I found that really interesting and uh, excellent to, to listen to you today. So thanks very much. No, fab. Thank you for having me. Yeah, really enjoyed that, actually. <laughs>